Okay, Tina, I was thinking um, I need to train up on, like, how to do be good during a first date, you know? Like, interesting, funny, all those things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I was thinking we could do, like, a practice date, you and I. Um, Love that. Little, little, like, side note, I was thinking we could mix it with kind of a game where it's like the ABCs. Every line we say has to start with the next letter of the alphabet. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay so I'll uh, get us started. I get guess. this day going. Yeah, let me pull up the alphabet on my phone Can you, real can quick. you give me like exterior, interior? No. Okay. Like we have to create where we are. Through what, what we're, we're doing. Saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Going in blind. Here we go. Awesome that you can meet me here. Baby, I would never do anything else. <laughs> Chill, we just met like 20 minutes ago. Didn't you say you were a Rockefeller? Einstein, actually. For real? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> hey, that wasn't in your Tinder profile. I'm just so nervous right now. Just say you find me, like, undeniably attractive, and then we can carry on. (laughs) Okay. Look, um, I am having a great time, but I'm gonna, I need you to open up a little bit more, uh, to me, so. My dad is calling. Oh. (laughs) Wait, I skipped 10. (laughs) Um, wait. (laughs) Okay, um. Not on my watch. Oh my god, where is our waiter? Pretty sure he said he had a medical emergency, but he would be back as soon as possible. Quite honestly, I don't know if I can keep going on this date. Really? I thought we were having, like, (laughs) real chemistry. Sure, but (laughs) there's something I have to tell you. Totally, what is it? Like anything, go. Under your seat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, You have to check. (laughs) Very suspicious of you to say that. Why don't you check and tell me what it is? Xylophone? I've always wanted one of these. How did you know? You're such an idiot. That is not a xylophone. Zam. Uh, <laughs> I think this date is over. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> what were you thinking? How did you think it went? So, um, I do think that our sexual chemistry was palpable sure um How, what did you think about the gift under the seat um i think it's a really smart tactic that you should use in okay. the future um <laughs> i thought it went over well yeah you could definitely go maybe you know with this transactional type of dating atmosphere we live in now mm-hmm. it would benefit you to be kind of a sugar mama sure pimp yeah and like coming with gifts would mm-hmm. be wise sure yeah i usually just get there half an hour early and set up <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah. right yeah. 
Yeah, maybe it is that you're coming empty-handed is, you know, why your dates are flopping. Right. Okay, so that's good. We'll work with that. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see how we can keep training me up and we'll see how it goes. Right, and a xylophone, I think, specifically is a good <laughs> idea because you can kind of ghost with her, like go behind her and like teach her, <laughs> like hold her hands while she plays. Can you? I think it's a yeah, foolproof plan. I agree. I mean, who doesn't love a little music? <laughs> with the <laughs> romance. <I'm> <laughs> All right. Mary's dating problem solved. solved. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Roll the clip or whatever. <laughs> what is the meaning of life? Where do we go when we die? Does Google know my blood type? Will she text me back? When will the water wars begin? Does anyone want to date me? I'm Tina. I'm Mary. And together, we'll answer life's biggest questions correctly. This is Artificial Intelligence. Hi, Mary. Hi. Um, say my name. Christina. No. <laughs> Disgusting. Disgusting, um, Tina. How was your week? Um, it was good. I I feel like um, there should I should have like my own personal not Amber Alert, but something <laughs> I can send out to all of my friends. That's like this week is what Mary's very into, like hyper <laughs> focus wise. Um, it was refined sugar. This okay. Week. <laughs> but long story short, I like rediscovered YouTube because um, I go. I can't, like, I'm either a TV girl or a YouTube girl, and I can't mix the two of them for some reason, so uh-huh. I've been on a big YouTube streak. Sure. Um, and I watched this documentary about refined sugar. Sure. <laughs> and now I'm, like, in a rabbit hole of, of researching that, and, like, last week it was, like, retiring early, and who knows what it'll be next week, but... <laughs> because of your sugar intake? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to assume this documentary was, like, a smear campaign against absolutely refined sugar yeah it was really funny i mean it had some good points and obviously hit home for me but the guy in it he's australian and he like hadn't i've seen this oh that sugar, that sugar film, film? Yeah, yeah i've seen that's it the uh-huh. one um but it, yeah it's hilarious because he's just one of those he's like i haven't eaten sugar in three years and i'm yeah. gonna do this film and like blah 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 and like the first day he starts eating sugar he goes basically comatose and like stops showering and is like <laughs> he hasn't built up that endurance like yeah, we have it was very clearly like he was trying to kind of play it up and i don't know but it it was good i guess um i'm probably still gonna eat sugar but <laughs> it wasn't good enough apparently. that movie is so funny to me because it's it was made i can tell as such a uh, follow-up to um, Super Size oh, Me. Oh, yeah. That movie, which has pretty much the same model, but about McDonald's, uh-huh. like a PSA against McDonald's, because it's uh, the documentary filmmaker was named Morgan Spurlock. Mm-hmm. And he was basically the same thing where he was like a uh, pinnacle of health, mm-hmm. like a, probably a super runner. And he and his wife ate, you know, right. Elwood Thompson mm-hmm. type food, whole grain, everything. <laughs> and then he eats um, McDonald's for every meal. Right. And then I think the other rule is that anytime they ask him if he would like to supersize that meal, he has to say <laughs> yes, which is like 
masochism yeah um and it's funny that film i was like he really did that exact same thing but with sugar yeah so what i kind of liked about it more than supersize me or whatever is like no one well most people are not going to eat mcdonald's every day for every meal right Mm -hmm. um so like i know mcdonald's is not great for you and that it'll make you fat and all these things but we know know. um but with this that sugar film or whatever he his rules are that he eats um things that are marketed as healthy Mm. or like Mm -hmm. things that aren't like cookies and ice cream and all these things every day like obviously that would make you feel like shit if you ate that but he eats basically what normal people eat and just tries to show you like how many hidden sugars are in everything that we can like pasta sauce yeah exactly i think he a portion of the film he like spoons Mm -hmm. in just like regular granulated sugar how much is in certain things like orange juice and yeah, it's absolutely it's disgusting it's funny the um i have an anecdote about morgan spurlock oh, yeah right. did i ever tell you that the guy that did supersize me um my entire grade had to watch his other work which was like a docu-series about <laughs> his other work his other Didn't work know that existed i know he kind of flopped after <laughs> supersized me but um he did a docu-series where he would do, like, 30 days of a job mm. of some, like, uh, labor-intensive job, I think, like coal mining or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to watch that. So he was very fresh in our minds as 15-year-old mm-hmm. girls. And then we went to a One Direction concert <laughs> that next week. And we had floor seats because we oh, were wow. psychotic. Um, and I, like, looked to our right. Or I think my friend Kiyla texted us because she was also on the floor, but on the other side. And she was like, Morgan Spurlock is in the tech booth <laughs> of the One Direction concert. Wait. And we were like, what? And I looked to my right and it's it's him. He's like in, he's in the kind Spurlock. of a, a blocked off section where I guess they manage the tech they need to from the audience. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so we were like, holy shit. And so we, my friends and I, like, kind of tapped on his shoulder immediately. I almost got, like, clotheslined by a security guard <laughs> <laughs> for even touching the man. And he, was, and he was like, no, no, it's okay. And we were like, are you Morgan Spurlock? And I think he was so caught off guard that he was recognized at a one direction concert especially by a bunch of 15 year old girls right like 10 years after he had done his yeah work that he was known for Mm -hmm. so i think the fact that we like asked him for a picture he was like sure because why are you asking (laughs) yeah but i realized our mistake was us doing that in the pit of a literal like mega dome of 30,000 girls yeah the flash goes off and people are gonna exactly because just it literally looked like a like an apocalypse movie because <laughs> we took a picture with him and I guess people saw a group of like five 15 year old mm-hmm. girls crowding around one man that no one even knew right you and you just saw sent a flare up. in the aisles from all sides <laughs> girls just running down to take pictures with this person World that they didn't one even direction. know yeah. yeah but they just assumed had some kind of connection to <laughs> one direction and I feel so bad. We just created such a, like a clusterfuck storm for him. But then we found out later that he was there because he was meeting them to direct their movie. Who set that up? <laughs> I have no idea. But yeah, you know, those like movies that like Katy Perry and mm-hmm. Ariana Grande do eventually Justin Bieber where like 
They're almost so at the it's apex so of their yeah. uh, career. They do this Mega Millions documentary weird thing. memoir. Exactly, like, where it's like, like twenty eight. Yeah, like <laughs> where it's like you all behind all that glitter and <laughs> frosting on her tits is a real woman. Is a girl who didn't finish college. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was the one to direct that for them. So that's my little story. Well, I'm just blown away how. Why him? There had to be some sort of <laughs> pulling of the strings behind. Like I know. Morgan Spurlock got some dirt on someone in One Direction. <laughs> so, I know. <laughs> Maybe he knew about the real dirt on what everyone in that like fandom wanted to happen so bad, which was a relationship between Louie and Harry. Oh, my God. Which I know they just wanted because seeing them with actual female Mm. models Mm -hmm. was so devastating that they would rather them be gay than not with (laughs) them a 14 year old girl did you do that thing where you were like 14 and like shaved your whole body and put on like perfume and thinking that shaved something my pussy thinking I was gonna get, <laughs> to get eaten out by Harry Styles. Your parents are chaperoning you. Like what? What? How would that have happened? No, like, literally, I was like sitting next to my friend Kitty's mom, um, Susan, <laughs> thinking that Harry was gonna lock eyes with me and, right, and pull you do on the dirty and- in a Charlotte, North Carolina motel <laughs> later that night. That's and I hold funny. on to that. Yeah. Who's to say it won't happen? (laughs) (laughs) I, I, uh, when I, you know, when we were doing like comedy stuff when the world Mm -hmm. still was existing, um, I was having some dark moments. My boyfriend's going to hate this, but I was like, "Hmm, maybe if I was like a comedian, like I actually made it and then, I was at some kind of like vanity fair after party or something. Mm-hmm. I would run into Harry Styles and it would be a thing where he was entranced by me. Right. Like um, Caroline, our friend. Because you could care less. <laughs> I could give a fuck because I am a woman of humor mm-hmm. and I care more about if you have the Mark Twain Award than <laughs> <Right. laughs> the Pulitzer Prize literature. <laughs> but I always think of Car- our friend Caroline holding on to the fact that Jenny Slate dated uh, Chris Evans or whatever True. his name is. That did happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh okay so going back to the meat of your anecdote Mm. that sugar film (laughs) yeah did they talk about sugar alternatives at all Mm -hmm. i can't remember it's been a while since i watched this movie yeah they did and so i mean it depends on what you mean by alternatives like agave or like splenda i'm thinking more like splenda Mm. which i think we also talked about in the last episode when we talked about um uh What's the thing you, the cement drink? Oh, Soylent. Soylent. <laughs> Sucralose. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is like it confuses your body when you consume things like that. And also it's just, uh, it's not breaking your addiction to sweets. It's just encouraging it. Okay. Um, you still crave that yeah, tingle in your It's funny tongue. because Splenda literally has ruined my family's taste buds for sugar. <laughs> like we were very much a Splenda family growing up and I would... Every morning, I'd make my parents coffee. Like I knew how to do it. It was uh-huh. like that's really sweet. Yeah, my dad. My dad used stevia because that's like the manly Splenda. That's so funny. My dad also uses stevia. I feel like it's marketed towards men. I don't know if it's just because it's a dark green packet. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Splenda Steve. was always very. It's, a- it's Adam Steve. and stevia, not Adam <laughs> and Splenda. Yeah, um, but I always just thought of 
stevia as like the manly sugar substitute. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad did, used two stevia and my mom used two Splenda. Oh, that's cute. They're like stevia and Splenda would definitely be married. IRL. <laughs> Absolutely, and it would be the grandpa would be the pink packets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like um. Salt and pepper and paprika and blue. That clues. was literally. I was so hyped when that happened. I remember. <laughs> I was really obsessed with giving birth when I was younger. You specifically, but like generally as a as a human species, like birth and yeah. then I like would watch. Like, I think that's what your what your ancestors wanted. They wanted you to yeah. be infatuated with procreation. Look at you now. <laughs> I was like six years old watching my baby story on TLC. <laughs> <laughs> and rooting for salt and pepper to have a baby. Yeah, no, literally, that was so exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I saying? How did you feel very quickly? How did you feel about the royal baby or any royal baby in general? Does that not oh, register? Um, at first, I was like kind of excited, but then I was like, eh, I don't know. I for a second got on the like when Kate and William, that's them, right? Mm-hmm. Got married. I guess that was pretty cool because uh, I had just <laughs> never seen. <laughs> I had never seen such a production of a wedding before. Sure. Um, and then I also learned about Princess Diana at the same time. And oh, I was that's like, huge. Whoa. Yeah, that's so much, big. So much dirt on this family. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. Eh, I was never like obsessed with them. And then they had more, which kind of defeated. They're so the boring. Like, They're so boring. If they I, were cooler, then. I sure. hate that Princess Diana had to go through what she did. <laughs> But it really did open up a Pandora's box about how stupidly contrived, mm-hmm. like, keeping the image up of the royal family is right. to the British. And right. the British are so dumb, <laughs> um, just in general. <laughs> like, what they it. hold dear to their hearts, yeah. i.e. imperialism uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> the crown jewels. Um, and so, for that reason, you know, we honor her. Sure. But Kate and... And Will, I gotta say, it's just like, like, what are you doing? Milk toast. I don't <laughs> literally. Like, it's not even worth following. Half. Yeah, it's not. Do something exciting, please. Yeah, when I was in London studying abroad, oh. so that's why you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you knew this, but I studied abroad in London. Mm. Um, there were there was uh, royal wedding paraphernalia everywhere, still of theirs. Like wow. it had been years mm-hmm. since they had married, but it's like such a thing to put their faces on porcelain like yeah. on fine china yeah um and you know it trickles down to like the gift shops and it gets kitschy but it mm. it still permeated the culture yeah. there i wonder really how long this can keep going now that they are just like a media item the and, royal family yeah. in general well it's funny the um the other ones ha- harry and um megan mm-hmm. god everyone's names are also boring um <laughs> They just sound like our like friends of friends at college. <laughs> oh, you know Harry and what are they up to? Harry yeah, and Megan? I don't know. I think they did calm marts together or something. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> but did you see that they? And I guess the Obamas are doing this too, which you know we could also go into that kind of um, mm-hmm. royal family. Yeah, in the I, mean, US. We, I guess we do have our own royal families. Yeah. Our great American dynasties. Of they like, defected, which yeah, I'm sure you know. Right. But then they also like immediately patented and like brought in all this marketing to make their own like almost like their own creative agency like it's it's called no it's horrible it's like the end times mary it's so bad like they they i think they're doing their own podcast oh my god and talking about what (laughs) like what 
what relatable I'm like I can't believe they're doing their own podcast. I know I'm sitting here like what a fucking losers I was thinking about that um because obviously it's embarrassing to be doing this and we're yeah, very ashamed utterly um, humiliating I want everyone to know we don't find this endearing or yeah. hot if you do that's fine if you think this hot uh <laughs> damn I please send us a message and let us know what you think we're hot oh yeah but i feel like some people try to try to like brush off that like if you start a podcast you're gonna be made fun of for it and some people try to like just ignore it and stuff but to me it's like when you sit in a chair and it makes a fart noise and then you just like try to recreate it it's like trying to deny and you're like, wait, wait, it no, no, it'll happen like look, give me a second yeah. and just the more you try the, the more denial is like way more embarrassing yeah. than just taking the brunt of the hit yeah what do you think is like the right way to go about telling people you do a podcast um, it's like revealing you have an STD. We're gonna find out either the right or wrong way when this airs. Definitely, <laughs> if the we wrong. did it, yeah, correctly or like, not. I don't want to tell my parents I do this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I am. This is just going up on my Instagram feed that I never post on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh no, we're I gonna know. have to get like facial reconstruction surgery and <laughs> l- lead new lives. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, a lot of people are like obviously podcasts are just you talking and people are like i don't want to hear other people talk but i generally just like um feel like just hearing other people talk constantly mm-hmm. like i don't like to talk so so as <laughs> not much, to let but, the intrusive thoughts in right exactly yeah. yeah it's like yeah white noise in my head <laughs> no true i mean like you know getting ready for the day when my days are non-existent mm-hmm. i'm unemployed and have nothing to do it's it's funny to be like, oh, I have to, I have to put in my little podcast, you know, to get ready. Because I feel like we're like subliminal messaging podcasts on our podcast. <laughs> Very true. Anyway. Anyway, um, I went to IKEA yesterday. Oh yeah, how was that? I haven't been to IKEA in literal years. You know what I thought of? I was trying to think. Um, I okay, so basically, I went with my boyfriend this time. We needed a few new things, mm-hmm. and the last time I went to IKEA was with my other boyfriend, my ex, <laughs> nice. my past boyfriend, not my other boyfriend I currently have. <laughs> Tina has a lot to tell you guys. Yeah. Um, and then the time before that was when mm-hmm. I went with you and our friend Jake's ex boyfriend. Wait, when was that? We went freshman year oh of college. Like, truly, it was we barely knew each other. And you, I, me, and our other very good friend, Jake. That was the last time I went. Friend. Yeah. We went to, we drove like two hours up to Ikea. <laughs> For what? I don't know <laughs> I don't why know. we did that. I think I got like a toilet plunger or something. Like, yeah. I couldn't afford we anything could, in we there. We could have gone to Target. Yeah. <laughs> we absolutely could have gone to the Target 15 minutes. But I think it was also us. the splendor of going to Ikea. Sure. It's like a road trip. It's funny that uh, Ikea trips mark new chapters in your life, apparently. It's so true. <laughs> like, the next, who knows? The next time you go to Ikea, you could have a baby or something. Oh, God. <laughs> Fuck no. And I'll say that because the babies in Ikea, while <laughs> Ikea I love, babies. I am a lover of pudgy little babies Mm -hmm. but i do not understand why there are so many kids there Mm -hmm. like it's almost as if people purposefully bring their children like it's disneyland yeah and i know that some people (laughs) like don't have the luxury of like finding child child care but it seemed like this trip especially Mm -hmm. more than 
necessary. <laughs> there were kids. There were. It seemed more kids than legal guardians to sure. Two, like ratio. <laughs> yeah, the wise. ratio was off. The ratio was off, and it was like they were like multiplying um oh my god <laughs> there was a yeah it was honestly the trip was this time around was kind of it's it felt like almost a parody of an ikea trip because everything cliche about ikea that people joked about mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. like <sighs> everything was out of stock yep something was nine dollars but you couldn't find the other part for mm-hmm. it uh every time you walked past a couple they were near breakup <laughs> Um, children were screaming like these two kids were had each other in a chokehold next to like the dinosaur plush toys (laughs) there was a 15 minute wait for the ikea like restaurant to get meatballs like it was just chaos it was Mm -hmm. utter chaos add that add to that a cherry on top via pandemic and it was just a Mm -hmm. full-on nightmare oh my god yeah like i wanted to come here today and be like you know what people give ikea a bad rap (laughs) and i actually had an amazing time with my beautiful boyfriend and we had oh yeah we didn't our relationship actually flourished but no we were also probably near breakup by the end of it (laughs) we um we finished the trip like near psychosis Mm -hmm. put our stuff in the car drove to a the a parking lot looking over the ikea parking lot to eat our to-go pizza and like we're we literally like shuddered we were like (laughs) broken people like thousand thousand mile stare whatever the fuck they call it (laughs) the fact that you went to a parking lot overlooking the ikea is so funny and you know why we had to do that no because we were gonna sit in the regular ikea parking lot and eat our pizza but the parking lot was so full that people were waiting for us to leave that's so obnoxious so we couldn't even spend five minutes like taking a second afterwards to decompress you had to get the fuck out of Mm -hmm. there because people were putting their blinker on to take your spot like it was like a bonnaroo or something (laughs) it was absolutely horrible (laughs) one really funny thing happened though we were we were in the rug section um fighting over the square footage of the rug for the living room oh sure and what we thought was appropriate Mm -hmm. and (laughs) exasperated mid-argument i was like saying my final piece mm. to him and while I was saying my sentence I was like walking towards the cart to like push it to mm-hmm. kind of add a little bit of drama <laughs> yeah, to sure, my final flourish. word and I, so I wasn't looking at the cart <laughs> and then all of a sudden Dom goes no that's not our car there, there, there's a baby in there stop <laughs> <laughs> and I like look I like come to and I look inside and there's this shopping cart was teeming with just like random objects and then just a teeming tiny- with random babies <laughs> <laughs> and then the tiniest like pale head was just oh poking out oh my god and no parent in sight oh like, sure yeah we tracked down the mom and her and the grandma i guess and they were like a room over like looking at you guys pads. actually went and like looked for them we were like where are the parents if that yeah. was so easy where i almost abducted your baby accidentally <laughs> yeah. and they were checked out they were like literally in another room and this oh baby God. was conked out <laughs> but also like looked like one of the objects there were sure, so many yeah. things in there oh my god it was so funny <laughs> but also horrifying at the same time did you ever get lost as a kid in a, in a store i did yeah <laughs> for some reason coles was like my achilles heel i always got lost in a coles <laughs> it's that fluorescent lighting yeah it but disorients it's like not it's like just a square yeah um like a big warehouse but um i would when i was younger like for some reason never look up before i went and 
grabbed who I thought my dad's hand was. Uh Um, So many times I would find myself thinking I was holding my father's hand (laughs) and I would realize he's like, this man is like walking me towards something. I was like, where are we going, dad? And he's just like walking me towards my dad. (laughs) It's like, hey, I think this is your kid. Yeah. The ceremonial (laughs) handoff from non-dad to dad of the kid. My dad being like, (laughs) eventually my parents did a thing where they were like, okay, what's our phone number? Say it back. Mm -hmm. What's mom and dad's real names? Right. Glenn and Christine, (laughs) say it back. Like you're going to get lost. Yeah. Like we know it. Well, my brother and I got cell phones when we were like egregiously young Mm -hmm. because my parents would forget us everywhere. (laughs) Mostly my brother, I have to say, Um, because he was, uh, he shifted, you know, like he kind of, a snake in the grass. Mm -hmm. He didn't really, he didn't make much of a presence. So he was kind of forgettable (laughs) in public spaces. But yeah, there was uh, one time where my mom went to go pick me up from ballet with him. And then my mom and I like got out of the car at our house mm-hmm. and we realized we left kent at the ballet studio like she brought left him with her and then forgot him while oh. picking me up he just became the phantom of the opera then, basically <laughs> like exactly. just lived in the bowels of the ballet exactly. building that was my brother <laughs> there was also the thing that like the straw that broke the camel's back where kent got a phone when he was like eight years old uh-huh. was uh when he i guess did swim team or something for a year um and let it be known that I we were not a swim team family. I don't want people to think. Oh yeah, I gotta clear that up. Me. We were not a swim team family. He did it for like one season, and we and it, everyone made him quit because mm-hmm. um, that wasn't who we were. <laughs> um, but I think a neighbor was supposed to pick him up, and she just forgot, mm-hmm. which is insane to me. But he was yeah, he was like seven years old. Was the last kid at this outdoor pool. <laughs> The coaches left. Oh my! The God. lifeguards left. Literally, everyone left. Closed the po- like closed the pool, and then he was just like, "All right, well, I guess I'll just walk five cool. miles yeah. to the nearest relative's house, which was my grandma, <laughs> who had a full heart attack like when he came through the door, <laughs> yeah. and was like, why is my seven-year-old yeah. grandson hey here Mm -hmm. um yeah so you did get a phone right after that yeah that makes sense i kind of wish my parents had done that too because i was also left places just because i had three siblings and people are just all over the place all the time Mm -hmm. um so yeah there's i often was uh, just me and my soccer coach until like eight o'clock at night (laughs) straining conversation yeah Yeah. like i'm an eight-year-old i don't know how to make small talk i was definitely like a curb kid at pickup (laughs) you know my mom worked yeah Mm. well you've never ridden a public school bus in your life so let's get that out there actually they did make us do that one time like literally (laughs) for the culture of it yeah Um, it's like how (laughs) cops have to get pepper sprayed just to know how it feels yeah exactly and you learn nothing from it you're (laughs) just like "Ooh, i hate this everyone's like taking pictures like that was crazy (laughs) yeah (laughs) no literally in kindergarten they had us take a public bus down to the capital like to be like this is what public transportation's like even though you'll never do 99 percent live (laughs) exactly But now I I do take the pulse because it's free this year. Oh yeah, true. I took the pulse every day to work for a while. Yeah, how was that experience? Like as a regular, I liked uh, in Richmond public transport. Um, I don't know. I like being. I like the transport part of it, like 
plugging in my headphones, just relaxing, have someone else do the driving. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there were some interesting moments. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> One time, um, I was sitting in the back of the bus, and there's like uh, probably about four or five inches between the... <laughs> Wait, I know the story. I'm sorry. I just realized what you're talking about. Okay, so cool. the bus doors, right? Like, mm-hmm. they don't... I don't know how to explain it. They don't go all the way down. There's like some a gap between the step and the door. Yeah. Like okay. four or five inches. So sitting in the back of the bus, I had my, they were fake AirPods, but they looked real. Okay. Real enough. And they were sitting in my lap and we took a hard left somewhere and they just flew out of my lap into the bus aisle. And then for what seemed like an eternity, just slid down the aisle. <laughs> And heads were turning at this point, like watching them just go and they just fly off the bus through the gap in the door. Oh my God. It's like the Campbell Soup Can commercial. Literally. That's what it felt like. And everyone thinking I just lost my $300 AirPods, (laughs) just like all the heads turned back and were staring (laughs) at me. And I was like, I'm a cool girl. I don't care that my AirPods just flew off the bus. Did you like blurt out they're fake? They were fake. (laughs) No, I didn't say a damn word. I just (laughs) pretended like it didn't happen. That's so funny. (laughs) Can I just ask, should I get AirPods? I've been fielding friends for this. Um, Yes, you should. I think I like my AirPods. See, okay. This is why I want them because I I am trying to like work out at home Mm -hmm. as much as possible right now. And I'm also just like getting like that. I like I'll pee mm-hmm. obviously with my podcast in because I can't have a moment to myself sure. as you're well aware of mm-hmm. and just absolutely getting yanked to the ground when my headphones get caught on the door knob. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the most painful. It's like childbirth. I will say <laughs> having <laughs> experienced both. Um, uh- <laughs> So I can't take it anymore. Yeah. I need to get wired. That was the biggest thing. And it's nice to be able to leave your phone like on the counter and you can go. How far away from your phone can you be? (laughs) Uh, I have Gen 1, like the OG AirPods that my brother gave to me because he washed them and got a new pair. (laughs) And they Um, still work? Yeah, they work for me. So Um, yeah, so mine don't, uh, probably like across the room. Okay, that's enough. in terms of the new ones probably have better distance. Yeah. I have a uh I have some paranoia. I guess other people don't. Yeah. Rude. We're doing podcasts in here. Anyway. Um don't they know that two white women are trying to <laughs> <laughs> realize their dream of podcasting in this apartment? People are always trying to tear us down. <laughs> um <laughs> That is yeah, the just revving its engine, <laughs> blatant, unashamed. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, I also like eventually. I am w- how some people are very pee shy and very music shy. Like mm-hmm. I, I am not someone that is proud of my <laughs> music taste at all. You'll mm-hmm. never see me posting my like Spotify Wrapped mm-hmm. or even that one song that I find semi-respectable on my instagram like i will never yeah do that yeah. i will never subject anyone right. to that <laughs> um and so i especially like when i was in more public places like my college library or like my college gym i was always taken out of whatever i was doing because i was really paranoid that someone could hear what i was listening right. to from the outside mm-hmm. um so for that reason i do kind of 
I assume that the noise canceling will help mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, I mean, I think they're much better at like containing what you're listening to. Okay, as yeah, because well, I don't want it. someone to, you know, eventually I'll be on a treadmill doing my, mm-hmm. you know, eleven minute mile, right? Um, listening to Miley Cyrus's "Heart of Glass" cover <laughs> eleven times. I was times. just listening to that. Yeah, it's really good. No, my workout playlist is embarrassing it's like very what do um, you listen to because I asked my high school friends for recommendations which mm-hmm. I, I asked for running recommendations mm-hmm. for songs when I should have asked for workout because they suggested one was a k-pop song the other was a one direction song <laughs> see people <laughs> think that like I don't know whenever I look up spotify like workout playlist or running playlist I don't really like the EDM, like, yeah. beats per minute being, like, 600 or whatever. Like, like mm-hmm. just so obnoxious, I guess. Yeah. I have to – it has to actually get me hype and be a song that I know and, right. like, have good lyrics and stuff and obviously be upbeat. But – so I listen to, like, Hollaback Girl by Gwen Stefani and, like, That's the classic one. throwbacks. Um, I found that the way I can get through a workout really easily is if I – I can even listen to pretty calm music, but it has to be music that I can – um simulate like a daydream slash fantasy too yeah exactly like i have to be like i listen to a lot of cherry glazer because (laughs) i can really immerse myself in the workout Mm -hmm. by pretending i am on jimmy kimmel (laughs) or like Mm -hmm. conan singing that song as if it is my own (laughs) (laughs) yeah having never no i do that too i always like pretend that i wrote this uh, smash hit yeah so i find myself to me veering towards like uh rock interesting sung by women because i like to pretend that i could carry any kind of note whatsoever yeah, but i fully yeah. cannot Same. so yeah okay well if anyone has any good workout re- not requests uh recommendations recommendations yeah um comment <laughs> stems from the mere fact of being 23 Mm. you being 24 Mm. um but so yeah being 23 a year and some change out of undergrad um I like you I guess am forced to really like reckon with my life up until this point (laughs) like being a child and a teenager you're kind of doing building blocks right and now we're at a pivotal point where Mm -hmm. we have to make something with said building blocks um so I have to figure out like how much meaning I give to different facets of my life Mm -hmm. like my interpersonal relationships my career goals and like Mm self-actualization and how much wealth I hope to accrue you know like you have to I feel like right now is the time when, where you have to figure out where your values are mm-hmm. and then go from there. So basically my overarching question that I'm asking myself that I'd like to hear from you is what is a good life? Because mm-hmm. at first I was asking myself, what is my purpose in life? Mm-hmm. And then I got a little crazy and was like, does anyone have a purpose in life? And then I kind of pivoted the question and was thinking, well, what do I actually want? I just want a good life. Yeah. And um, so my question meanders further. So I'm asking you to okay. hold my hand as I take you down this rabbit <laughs> okay, hole. Okay, I'm here for you. Okay. So in search of this answer, I found 
two kind of interesting anecdotes slash thought experiments. Okay. Um, the first one for context, uh, starts with 20th century French philosopher. Whoa. Okay. Yes. We're going, we're going that route. Um, Albert Camus is his name. Oh yeah. Have you you've heard of his work? Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot you're the smart one of this podcast. <laughs> Don't ask me to, to recite anything he's written. But. <laughs> Perfect. So he recounted the ancient Greek myth of Sisyphus, which you and I love, but yeah. for the for the sake of our <laughs> listeners, we'll, we'll explain. So basically Sisyphus was condemned by the gods to roll a boulder up a hill slash mountain, and once he got to the top... Um, it would roll immediately back down, mm-hmm. and he repeated this for the rest of his existence. Right. Um, much like I roll a jade roller on my face <laughs> every day <laughs> to prevent wrinkles, only for wrinkles to multiply yeah, exactly. as I age. Um, a jade roller. <laughs> the 21st century version of yeah, Sisyphus. My rose quartz <laughs> jade roller. Um, so Camus said, we must imagine Sisyphus happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he was an existentialist and he thought that each one of us is basically Sisyphus ourselves um, in that nothing that any of us does is inherently important because the stuff of life just doesn't have any inherent meaning. Mm-hmm. So we're all just rolling boulders up hills. Right. We're exactly. all running up that hill. But we can choose to give meaning to what we do. After all, we decide what to value. So when we throw ourselves into a task, it becomes filled with meaning, meaning we give to it. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people find like the myth of Sisyphus really depressing because it's saying that nothing you do matters. Right. But on the flip side, it could also be seen as saying anything you do matters provided you choose to imbue it with value. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could find meaning in being a doctor and saving lives, or you could find meaning in, raising a child as a stay-at-home mom Mm -hmm. or you know you could maybe have a career you don't love but it gives you enough time to work on a hobby you do Mm -hmm. or you could dedicate your life to just hoarding as much wealth as possible I don't advise that but (laughs) or making TikToks on your Finsta right Mary does who doesn't um (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah the existentialist message is that your life is in your hands you and only you have the power to make your life mm-hmm. great and only you can evaluate its greatness uh, they say if you are un- unhappy in your life change it okay so that's the first anecdote i want you to okay kind of say your opinion on that uh-huh. um and then do you want me to do the second anecdote mm. now let's just start or do you have thoughts already i have some thoughts I've- okay I'm going to kind of like rewind and try to answer all of your questions, but yeah, guide me back if I miss something. Okay. Um, cool. Cause the next one's kind of more of like a thought experiment. So mm-hmm. we can, this is more of like an anecdote. You can work off your own opinions and cool. then the next one's kind of just a fun little, mm-hmm. what if? <laughs> um, okay. So I guess going back to the beginning, we're both, in our early, almost mid-20s at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been dealing a lot with the, like, if I want to be sitting in the shade one day, I have to plant the trees now. Mm. Like, this is the time in my life where I should start things and see them through so that I can reap those benefits later on, which is always really overwhelming because I don't, I don't know, like, 
what I want my life to look like 20 years from now. Um, obviously we put so much emphasis on jobs and occupation and stuff, but I've been kind of pulling away from that lately. Um, cause it's like, I don't know. Like I finding meaning through those. Yeah. Things. Finding mm-hmm. meaning through those things. Um, like I don't want to work, uh, office nine to five, like I do now for the rest of my life, but it does offer me security, which like it's a, in my adult life like this job that I have now is the first time I've had that um which you know maybe I'm not like creative creatively stimulated in my job but I can sleep through the night kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) very important point yeah um so I guess but I also get this existential dread where it's like well I look back and look at what I'm doing now and be like, that was such a waste of time. Mm. Like you should have been getting up at five 30 and writing for an hour every morning. And you could have had a novel written by the time you're 30 or like, um, yeah. So it's, it's hard to feel productive in the right areas at this point. (laughs) Um, or then people pressure you to live almost like a volatile 20s decade where they're like, never work a day somehow figure out how to get to cambodia right exactly help do like a work (laughs) farm situation there crash on like couch surf and yeah do all these things but also start your 401k somehow at the same time now (laughs) and invest in dogecoin yeah (laughs) don't worry if dogecoin hits a dollar i won't even have to worry about these things anymore (laughs) um so in that sense i don't know i don't I'm at this point where I'm like, do I drop everything and go back to grad school and try to become a a movie script writer and like just go for it now? Or do I build on what I have now um, and like move upward in my company or blah, blah, blah? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm at a crossroads with that. But to talk about like your other point about what even is a good life or a happy life like um (laughs) well that's the thing I think right now I'm looking at life in a the that we should be sad for Sisyphus view like we should I should feel bad for rolling the boulder every day Mm -hmm. um by working this office job but then I remember that like value is you know, a lot of the most beautiful things in life are undervalued. And I'm going to talk about like, like undervalued workers and jobs. Like when I worked at a daycare and was a like for toddlers and babies and took care of them all day, like that gave me so much value, even though I was paid not even a living wage to right. do it. Right. <laughs> so, and I could see how children multiple yeah, lives. Alone. And I could see how like people got a lot, out of that job and I don't have that same satisfaction with this job but I get paid more to do my dumb cell (laughs) formulas and stuff like that um so I'm kind of at the point where I'm like maybe I should just like kind of bask in some gratefulness for what I have now which is uh, a lot more than a lot of people have yeah which is like good friends a good support system that's the thing it's also you have to take into account the fact that we exist in a certain bracket yeah in multiple brackets that um 
shape our answer mm-hmm. but i'm almost like sometimes jealous of sisyphus because at least he <laughs> knows what's gonna happen mm-hmm. every time right like there's almost satisfaction in the dissatisfaction and his life will never change but satisfaction in knowing what's coming next mm-hmm. like right now there's such a volatility <laughs> to yeah. our lives where it's almost overwhelming and that you feel paralyzed that one wrong move could set you off onto mm-hmm. another path at least he was like i'm gonna roll this yeah. ball up this <laughs> fucking hill and then it's gonna roll back down and i'm coming back on tuesday and i'm doing the same damn thing yeah exactly and i and i think of my dog that i look at every day mm-hmm. that just shits and eats and <laughs> gets cared for and mm-hmm. lays on his back and i hate him and i love him at the same yeah. time um and i want what he has <laughs> i know that's the thing it's I don't know. I'm also try to remind myself. Um, I think we've talked about this before, but like trying to view the uncertainty of where we are in our lives right now as like kind of exciting and hopeful, and versus mm-hmm. um, something to be scared of. Um, because I don't know if I had fallen into exactly what I wanted to do, you know, the day after I graduated college. And I was going to do that for the next 40 years. I don't know if I would be happy with that either. Yeah, very much so. So I'm kind of, it's kind of nice not knowing where I'm going to end up. Yeah. I'm also right now, something that I'm trying to do this year, um, it being like January, starting resolutions and stuff, mm-hmm. is trying not to think of everything right now. I guess this is a, a convoluted way of just trying to be more present. Mm-hmm. But the way my brain is phrasing it is like, not doing everything in the pursuit of moving forward, whatever right, that means. Right. Like I don't have to, every action I take during my day doesn't have to be working towards something, something yeah. either career wise mm-hmm. or um, deepening interpersonal relationships, networking, yeah. getting grocery. Like mm-hmm. I can just like sit or maybe that's why things like hobbies like watercoloring are so uh intimidating to me because (laughs) it's it truly is almost like stopping time Mm -hmm. or even worse than that like wasting time that right you're like why am i doing this if this if i can't put this paint by color on my resume exactly on my (laughs) website portfolio on my squarespace then what's the goddamn paint by color paint by number (laughs) (laughs) paint by color paint by color typically how it works I want to do a paint by no. color. I mean, that's the thing I've been thinking about that too. Is like, do I ever actually do anything for myself? Yeah. Like, uh, I can obsess over like nutrition and working out, but like, it's never because I don't know. I feel like I only want these things because I think other people want it. You don't want them. Yeah. Yeah. For me, but I don't know if there's anything in my life that I just do because I like it um youtube yeah. <laughs> watching youtube i do like that Thanks, watching that sugar film yeah. that's the that is for thing. me yeah. that is my me time i know i hate like baths <laughs> i don't know how you feel about baths but they feel like such a um a bastardization of me time mm-hmm. like i i've never gotten satisfaction from sitting in tepid water and yeah um, I, I always try to 
I don't know. You have a really nice bathtub. I know. Too. It's 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 way, <laughs> just like youth is wasted on the young. Um, yeah. Bath time is wasted on my clawfoot tub. tub is wasted on Tina Dickey because look, it's not all it's cracked up to be. I have to say the water pressure here is a hate crime. You don't need good water pressure. You just need a lot of hot water. And side note, I had to like really throw it back to the 19th century yesterday because I drew a bath and it was cold um so I had to boil water on the stove (laughs) to reach like an equilibrium yeah and it didn't even work I had like a pot a bigger pot both going at the same time like on my gas stove (laughs) and then also my electric kettle going too so I like dumped all of those in the bathtub and it was still wow but I put so much work into it that I was like okay I'm gonna sit in this room temperature water (laughs) 30 minutes with my Epsom salt that didn't even melt because it wasn't hot enough you're literally lying in your lukewarm water yeah and I was like is this is this me time Who, am, who is me? <laughs> who is me? <laughs> who is me if this is my me time? Yeah, exactly. Well, let me just say that some of us don't have the luxury of an electric kettle. Oh, my and God. Some yeah, of she us... microwaved our tea earlier, by the way. It's all I've got. <laughs> Literally could not. Dom and I wanted to get like a coat rack and like a electric kettle and odds and ends you don't think about for the apartment on our ikea run run yesterday Mm -hmm. and after getting that goddamn motherfucking dresser which (laughs) literally was behind like a like red rope like i had to sign a waiver (laughs) agreeing that i would nail it to the wall Mm -hmm. before i could even enter the um aisle (laughs) it was down Wow. To get it. it was like such a conv- it was literally like I know people overuse the word Kafka-esque mm-hmm. but it was the most <laughs> Kafka-esque <laughs> situation I had ever been in I want to pull my eyebrows mm-hmm. out it was horrible. there was just a baby in the drawer too. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I did take that baby home with me it was yeah. so cute I really baby. can't describe to you how like funny it was that because everything in that cart was like kind of baby pink flesh tone color mm-hmm. and then it was just its little just soft scalp little like baby. it's peach fuzz scalp like <laughs> just resting on top of things it was so so cute oh my god uh, what was i gonna say oh yeah i think uh <laughs> i love that dead air yeah <laughs> my brain has stopped working um but oh i think I also have to um, break away from the idea that, like, if I do this, this part of my life will be fixed. And if I do this, the next part of my life will be fixed. And then I'll reach this, like, supreme being right. when I'm 35 or whatever, right? That, like, like uh, adulthood, you're reaching some kind of nirvana of contentment where right. everything has, every thing in your house has been bought. You've done every errand. Mm-hmm. But it's always in flux. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I'm like, okay, maybe I want kids when I'm to be married and like have kids. But then if I have those things, I can't do the other part of what I might want to do, mm. <laughs> which is like travel and like yeah. not be tied down to anything. So basically, long story short, I don't, I don't know what I want or <laughs> what would make me happy. Yeah. So um, you know what is a good life? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us in the comments below. Yeah, please, please. Because <laughs> another thing that Camus was saying with his like Sisyphus uh, 
thought line of thought i guess Mm -hmm. is that because i guess i I think as aristotle kind of believed in this thing called like the human essence where there was uh almost like cookie cutter right way to exist Mm -hmm. as a human Mm -hmm. um but camus says that life's what you make it and he did directly (laughs) take that from hannah montana um and that an unhappy life and a happy life look different to everyone so it really is what you make of it right but also do you think that it's kind of an over do you think it is beautiful in its simplicity or an oversimplification when he says that if you're unhappy in your life change it like obviously that's not possible for right. some, a lot right. of people. If that I would true, argue most people. Then I think a lot of people would, you know, I think it can be true for a certain group of people. Yeah, um, wealthier, mainly white people can <laughs> probably just change their up and change their circumstance whenever. Yeah. Um, but there's like there's a day to day truth in that. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, there are people that can choose to find more happiness per minute maybe than others (laughs) right like they could appreciate small Mm -hmm. happinesses and things yeah I mean I've been thinking a lot about like mindset and how that affects like how I view every day and how people view me because there's a thing going around where it's like if you want to be hot if you want to be more confident then just say it out loud like I am hot I am more confident which is like is that true (laughs) like telling someone who's not confident to be more confident is like telling the California wildfires just go out like they're not gonna like it's not possible yeah Um, but maybe it is maybe I just have never tried it before because I obviously there is a way of like how you view yourself and treat yourself is a reflection of how other people are going to treat you. Yeah, it definitely brings you up some points. I think Absolutely. so. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're sexy. Thanks, Tina. <laughs> I can't keep my hands off you. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after that date where you got me in xylophone. Right. Yeah. Um, I love you. <laughs> long as put a finger down if you've ever been in love with your podcast, podcast co-host. <laughs> a tale as old as time. Yeah. If that's not a John Hughes this movie. Is, this is the new enemies to lovers. <laughs> yeah. Podcast host. <laughs> to Dating? sexual deviance. <laughs> the podcast to sexual deviance pipeline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so second part of this is kind of a thought experiment and it's have you ever heard of the experiment experience <laughs> machine <laughs> have you ever heard of experiments. an experiment yeah i think i've life? heard of them uh it's called the experience machine which i really think they could have come up with a better is it like an xbox or something? A your <laughs> it's a switch <laughs> um so tw- another 20 the 20th century was really popping off for <laughs> philosophers but um 20th century American philosopher Robert Nozick Nizick uh, asked uh, like the general population to imagine that scientists have developed the ultimate innovation in virtual reality. Okay. So, and it's known as the experience machine. Again, that <laughs> it title. sounds like a Disney World ride. I I really feel like they could have had some brand center <laughs> kid go in and like really rework that. Yeah, um, something a little catchier. But the machine would allow you to have 
any experience you like for as long as you like. So mm. your body is basically just in a hospital bed. Like your physical body is in a hospital bed. You're tended to by doctors just to like sustain you in like a vegetative sure, state. like a San Junipero deal. Have exactly. Uh, and then, yeah, you're in virtual reality. And mm-hmm. it's a totally immersive simulation. So you would have no idea it wasn't real life. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and then... So, yeah, you could basically live an entire um, lucid dream. Mm. Your like whole, any way you want it to go. Yeah, your whole timeline of existence. Uh, and so he himself claimed that he has, has no interest in entering the machine. And he thought that most people also wouldn't. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh, the experiences it gives us don't correspond with reality. Okay. And... Uh, I thought that was interesting because like almost immediately I was like, I would do that. Yeah. That's what when you're saying. This is like, sure. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I see no, qu- I don't like, need the waiver. I, I'll just go in. Immediately. I was like, if I think it's real. Right. There have been dreams that I mean, are ridiculous. That if I'm you like, don't know, it's not reality. Then who's to say that's like, not happening right now. I know. Like, I, w- I would hope that this is not all that I can come up with. But <laughs> I know it's true. But then um, he was saying, uh there's also the um the point that you would kind of maybe have like FOMO mm-hmm. with cuz your real family, your real friends that maybe you had before you entered this experience mm-hmm. are still walking the earth. It's not like you exist in a vacuum. Like right. the world is going on, on while you're in this you. virtual reality. Okay. Um so I think for that reason he says that people would opt out of it. Mm-hmm. Um because if having an actual impact on the real world is important to you, that's one thing the experience machine wouldn't be able to give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, if you're a hedonist that is a person <laughs> who believes the good, that good is equal to the pleasurable, then simply having whatever experiences you desire is what you're after. So like a hedonist would say yes. Okay. So then I was like, damn, am I a hedonist mm-hmm. for being gung-ho about going into that? Right. But then the more I thought about it, it's kind of also how I feel about death. Like mm. I hate planes and the idea of plane crashes, but it's not even necessarily about me going down in a plane. Mm-hmm. It's that I always think about how like pissed my mom would be if yeah, I died. Right, right. <laughs> like how like horrible mm-hmm. my family's life would be if I was gone. Mm-hmm. Just the pain that they would feel. Right. So I kind of maybe would opt out of it only for that reason that my like loved ones would have to deal to with me being, being comatose yeah. yeah no I would probably do that too I mean I I always think about like I mean like an average human I I guess I fear death <laughs> now we're going there um <laughs> but I fear being alive and like doing something like accidentally killing someone in a car crash and having to live for the rest of my life with that like that's scarier to me than like dying myself in a car crash right exactly I'm honestly okay with the the um maybe quietness of a death with no afterlife that doesn't scare me because I'm like okay I would honestly (laughs) the idea of an afterlife is terrifying because I'm still conscious like I'd have to reckon with whatever that afterlife looks like right exactly we don't get a choice right sometimes I'm like what if the Christians were right I'm going to hell see you later (laughs) Tina (laughs) no I'm right there with you Oh my god! No, I. It's almost calming to think that I could be fertilizer for something, and sure. that would be my yeah. destiny. Like I'm okay with that. 
I'm pretty sure if I had to guess <laughs> about what happens when we die. Should we um, place bets? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like pretty sure wherever we were before we were born is where we returned to yeah. after we died. Like conscious wise, which is to say nowhere. Nowhere exactly. I th- Well, then I'm like. I'm okay with death, and then I have to deal with this life right before that. Right. So back to, like, almost to the original question, <laughs> like, am I supposed to make it as good as I can mm-hmm. within reason, and what are the tools for that? Like, I'm not... Yeah. I'm not Justin Bieber, <laughs> you know, but, That's you know, he lame. has to reckon with the cons of his life, too, right. so... Have you ever heard of... You brought up hedonism, and then I looked this up on my phone while you're talking. There's mm-hmm. something called like the hedonic treadmill. No, what's that? Um, it's the observed tendency of is humans. Is that the Peloton? <laughs> it is, yeah, subscription based, <laughs> stationary bike program. It's a Casper mattress on a Peloton. <laughs> you too can get it for nineteen ninety nine per hour. Try your hedonic treadmill for six months free, and then it's three thousand dollars a month afterwards. Use code Mary and Tina. <laughs> want your money for three cents off right use code where do we go when we die <laughs> um anyways it is the hedonic treadmill i hope i'm saying that right is the observed tendency of humans to quickly return to a relatively stable level of happiness despite major positive or negative events or oh. life changes so you could be justin bieber but you're always going to return to your stable line of happiness whether you have a grammy or whether you right. is that because everything's relative forever. Like yeah, or just you want like a people, Grammy so bad, and then once you get it, you're like, okay, this is still yeah, a it's life the, I live. You always think that there's something else out there, or you just have, you know, people just have this level of contentment that they things just resort to the norm, right? You know, it's interesting you say that because I think that's one thing without the knowing the term that I kind of came to of sorts on my own in my reckoning with wanting to do like comedy Mm -hmm. because unfortunately listeners me and mary both (laughs) yeah would like our fans of comedy have wanted to pursue it in different avenues different capacities over time um before pandemic i was pretty gung-ho about doing stand-up which Mm -hmm. i do love like i do get um enjoyment out of it as as a masochistic as it is but Mm -hmm. like the community around it is really great Mm -hmm. but um when it came to like you know when you you do something you like like a hobby you have to ask yourself like okay is this something that i'm eventually going to capitalize on and have to like try to get a profit or is this truly going to be a hobby so i was kind of asking myself that i was like do i you know hit the gas on this Mm -hmm. and go for this or whatever and then i was like even if i was funny which I'm, you know is up to <laughs> let's imagine let's get into that um that experience and imagine tina's funny <laughs> i have any kind of like pension for humor whatsoever just imagine i know it's difficult mm-hmm. um i'm like what am i searching for in success of that right because i'm like i don't know i was beth stelling is a is a comedian she came out with a um special that released basically right before the pandemic Mm -hmm. hit or i think she filmed it right before the pandemic hit so she was still able to do it live and with a crowd Mm -hmm. and when she was being interviewed about it for like press they were like so how does it feel like are you excited that it's out and she (laughs) without really actually saying it but i could just tell that she kind of 
was maybe Whatever. disappointed with how um uh underwhelming it was that mm-hmm. she had like made a whole hour special which is like a huge feat in yeah huge comedy yeah. and stand-up to actually get that done and get mm-hmm. it on like netflix or hbo or whatever and so i kind of asked, asked myself i was like even if i did get something like that would i always just be searching for the next stimulant like that yeah. the next uh, I mean, goal post i think so and then, then yeah i had to like kind of think all right maybe that's not ultimately a career path i want because if yeah. it's just always going to be me being unhappy with the next success then that's not right. a life i want to live that's not a good life to me yeah Mm, that's interesting that you say that because I feel like some people really love the chase of what's next and Mm -hmm. I would categorize myself as a person who that kind of exhausts (laughs) (laughs) yeah um especially in a career like anything media it's like always the next best thing that you have to if you do an hour-long comedy special you're either gonna be a one-hit wonder even if, if it is a hit or you're gonna just be burnt out like right people are gonna expect the next big thing yeah the the expectations i guess so it's like in that case like what would you say you want if it's not career oh you're asking me right now yeah (laughs) like wait rephrase that like so like let's say you've detached yourself from finding happiness through a career whether it be comedy or something else yeah like what if you imagine yourself happy if you step into the experience machine machine. or whatever it's called what do you want i think i've found especially over the course of the last like four to five years that my personal gross domestic happiness (laughs) stems from being surrounded by my friends as much as possible Mm -hmm. like success in its varying forms that i've had um it's like a quick hit Mm -hmm. like it doesn't do much like i had the honor of being (laughs) editor-in-chief of a student magazine (laughs) yeah which is something i wanted so badly when i was a freshman like when i was a freshman working for ink magazine vcu's arts and culture publication Mm -hmm. plug yeah i wanted to i wanted to do everything for it i poured my entire any extra time i had Mm -hmm. outside of academics into it um and then I finally was editor-in-chief for two years. And I, like, had more of a good experience than I had bad. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of like, I imagine how Justin Bieber feels getting a Grammy. Like, you yeah. know, he's kind of like, oh, this is what it feels like. It's not like an mm-hmm. orgasmic rush that right. lasts a lifetime. Yeah. Oh, damn. Damn, right. Um, it's just kind of like another thing. And then I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, what's the next thing? So... Yeah, I've realized when I'm truly like ecstatic and it and it's a persisting happiness, it's when all of our friends were like hanging out in mm-hmm. a rundown apartment. Right. You know, mm-hmm. getting drunk and watching <laughs> movies, which is not sustainable, but Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it's all I want. Yeah. <laughs> it's like truly all I want. Yeah. Um I want to live on a commune with my friends yeah that's where i was getting at (laughs) it's it's essentially (laughs) austin is nodding yeah we just need i mean individually we will never be able to afford to buy houses so together (laughs) together we pull our resources we can buy a nice three bedroom two bath which is honestly (laughs) now why i'm like uh i will reveal here that i'm like looking at architecture programs because i'm like it would be cool to come up with (laughs) it would be cool to come up with some kind of new model for 
like an alternative to like the nuclear family unit Mm -hmm. and thinking less that uh you know man meets woman they procreate have 2.5 kids and Mm -hmm. then they grow up in suburbia or even in an urban situation yeah like you can still feel very isolated with your family unit after you're 20 years old Mm -hmm. it'd be cool to see what how society would look if Mm -hmm. your good fan uh friend relationships were kind of the um prioritized ones yeah no i mean i think that not to say that you know kids and a husband wouldn't exist but right sure no i yeah i want my friends to raise my children absolutely (laughs) (laughs) yeah it sounds like a sitcom but yeah no in in reality like i i don't know it can be like kind of scary that a whole kid's environment is dependent on these two people who may or may not get along very well exactly and Um, their like symbiotic relationship right parasitic relationship so if you were exposed to some cool people growing up, yeah, my friends takes a village, people. Yeah, come on, people. <laughs> True, um, but I mean that's what I like. What you said about general happiness and how you would imagine it. It's like if not to get morbid again, but let's say something happened to producer Austin and he died, and we went to his funeral. Like I would not be sitting there thinking Austin was just the best. Uh, production assistant at a news channel that the world has ever known. Right. Like I would be thinking about the fact that he impacted my life in other ways. Right, and you know, <laughs> like it. You never would think he was the best girl boss I've yeah. ever met in my entire life. Exactly. So yeah, it's just you know, I don't know what it means to like make big impacts on people's lives, but in some way or another, I hope to do that big Amen. impacts that's a that's a tall order <laughs> yeah and i hopefully mean that in a positive way i hope i'm not making um some horribly big impacts <laughs> on anyone <laughs> everyone comment what big impact we've yeah. made on your life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what this podcast is making on your <laughs> life good or bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly someone writes it it's root absolutely yeah. destroyed my sense of happiness my oh sense my of God. place <laughs> I wonder if I've ever ruined someone's life inadvertently somehow. For you specifically? No, yeah, like if I have. Maybe probably not. I, I think, think so. I um did ruin someone's life when I accidentally bullied them in fifth grade. I told this oh, girl boy. that she sucks the fun out of everything and then she transferred <laughs> school. <laughs> Katie Wood, if you're out there, oh I'm my so God. sorry. No, I truly yeah. apologize. Like, I didn't mean it like that. I don't know how I <laughs> meant it. <laughs> was cut and dry case of bullying i've ever heard i was really not self-aware in fifth grade i kind of just said literally anything that came to mind which i shouldn't have that's Um, so funny yeah i deeply regret that Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) that's how i probably ruined someone's life have you ever accidentally like have you like accidentally bullied yeah i mean i was kind of i Made fun of this one kid for wearing light up sketchers on the bus. <laughs> okay, you did what had you did <laughs> yeah. what had to be done. Yeah. Okay, maybe he's a hype beast now. Like maybe you coaxed him into finding better maybe sneakers. Yeah, it was a push in the right direction. Exactly. Um, nah, I was kind of a mean kid. I think. Um, <laughs> it had to be done. I think by I someone. grew out of it. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just better at hiding it. Now, yeah but. now you're just a lesbian yeah <laughs> so i can get away with anything yeah exactly <laughs> all right i think that's a good place to 
every episode is literally all gonna come back to the fact that you're gay <laughs> and that's okay yeah it's a bookend to any conversation yeah it's kind of what it's the nucleus to yeah, most sure. of our conversations uh-huh. in our relationship in general and yeah. this podcast. And this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye. bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Artificial Intelligence. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Artificial Intelligence Podcast. If you have an existential question you need us to answer correctly, slide into our DMs or shoot us an email at ai.thepodcast at gmail.com.